You're listening to Captivate and Conform, a podcast of Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church, where we seek to have conversations that captivate every thought and conform every affection to the beauty and lordship of Jesus Christ. On this episode, discipleship pastor Chris Von Holt, teaching pastor Jason Hoy, and myself pick up our conversation from last week on total depravity, where we discuss the question, are people capable of doing any good apart from God? Today, we'll explore this question further by examining man's heart through the lens of Scripture and how the doctrine of total depravity affects our view of ourselves, our neighbor, and God. We hope you enjoy today's episode. I think it's good to help our our listeners understand that there is biblical backing behind what we're saying. Yeah, 100%. You know, we're talking about original sin, so... Original sin and the passing on of sin to every human being. This is why David would say things. And you got to note it here, Psalm 51 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You have other scriptures that talk about there's no one good, no one righteous, no, not one, or all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's everywhere, it permeates the entire Bible that we are yeah. sinners and enslaved by the sinful nature. And we can't change our nature by ourselves, correct. by our own merit. That's and correct. Jeremiah talks about, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? How can you do good if you are accustomed to evil, right. is what Scripture is saying there. So by our own works or by our own will, we're not able to change our nature and what we most desire. It's impossible apart from Christ. I mean, that's that's in Jeremiah and the Psalms, which were thousands of years after the fall. You... You go to chapter 6 of Genesis right after you've, well, actually, you go to chapter 4, and you have four people that we know of on the earth, Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel. And the first sin, aside from, you know, post-fall, I should say, that is recorded, is the murder of a brother by the, you know, by a brother with his bare hands. Like, that's, that's gruesome. And then in chapter 5, you see, um, what is his name? Lamech? Lamech. Lamech and, 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 and his arrogant pride and his wickedness. And then in chapter 6, what does God say about the entire human race? That the thoughts of their hearts are only evil wicked. continually. Yep. All the time. It's all they do is think about evil thoughts. And that I think it's uh, after the flood that God says, oh, what... You know, he, he's going to be gracious to man because he's like, even from his youth, all he does is sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, that's yep. Genesis. Yeah. It's, and it, it, obviously the New Testament clarifies it, talks even more about it. John 6, this is really what we want to apply this to, is the question of can people in this sinful state of their own will cry out to Christ for salvation? Now, the key I just said there is of their own will and power. Right. And Jesus says no. Jesus says in John 6, he says, do not grumble among yourselves to the Jews who are upset about his teaching that he's doing there in John 6. No one can. Notice the word is can, not may. May is permission. Can is ability. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I'll raise him up on the last day. And then in, at the end of chapter 6, again, he says, you know, uh, but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Now, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. And then it says that he knew from the beginning who it, who it was who did not believe and who would betray him. And then in verse 65, and he said to them, 
This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. I mean, it, it doesn't get any more clear than that. And then Romans 3, Paul walks through the heart of the matter. No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. No one does good, not even one. And he runs on. And it's, it does. it's an indictment. It is. Yeah. <clears throat> it, and you keep reading in chapter 3 of Romans, uh, it talks about every mouth being silenced before God, and nobody will be justified before God by their works because their works are tainted with sin. They're sinful. It's interesting. It's been a while since I preached through John, but if my if I can remember my Greek, that whole um, image and term behind drawing him, unless the Father who sent me draws him, I, I distinctly remember it's carrying something from one place to another. Mm. So, I mean, it's the Father pretty much carrying us to the Son mm. and granting us belief and faith, which yes. we read elsewhere as a gift from God. Uh, that's right. I mean, he says that in Ephesians, right after Ephesians 2, and you were dead, dead in the trespasses and sins, not weak, not frail. Not wounded, somebody not, said. Not, 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 not wounded, dead. And I think that's actually a good time to pause and just discuss, um, or at least throw out there, some of the beliefs uh, that are taught um, in the U.S., but also in the West, and 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 uh, also embraced by the secular culture. But there's there's really four four main views with regard to you know the doctrine of man and our how, how how quote sin has affected us, and the one is what we're teaching, which is the Reformed or Augustinian uh, Luther doctrine, so to speak, to give names to it. Not that we believe it's biblical. Uh, then the other three would be. Um, Arminianism, which teaches that man is severely wounded, but that God has given common grace to all people, and then they all have the same opportunity to then again choose or reject. But then again, I would ask, what's what's the difference between the guy who chose God and the guy who didn't if you all got the same grace? It's you. <laughs> it's you. But then there's the semi-Pelagian view, which is that oh man is man is weak, not really wounded, but just really really weak, and they they have a hard time choosing God, but they can do it on their own. They don't even need common grace. But then Pelagianism, which was a heresy condemned in the early uh, part of, of of the church's existence, teaches that man is actually strong and that everyone's born neutral, just like Adam and Eve, and they have the free ability to choose right and wrong. I mean, if you look at it that way, it, those are pretty good odds. <laughs> from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I would say, though, there's no church teaching Pelagianism. The world teaches us that, that everyone's born neutral and we have right. good within right. us. And all we have to do is kind of tip the scales with our life experiences or um, our opportunities, equity, and then everybody will. Or even believe it do about good. yourself. Yeah. Tap into it. Right. Yeah, I don't even know if the world, Maybe I feel like Disney. increasingly the world is teaching that you're not only born neutral, but are born good unless you're conservative yeah well yeah unless you hold certain political views but i feel like more and more they're teaching that all in all we're, we're good people yeah even from even from birth so and that's part of why they're so adamant on um run, you know just running with what your heart says right follow your heart because your heart mm -hmm. can lead because, you yeah can't lead you astray yeah right. exactly right. Your, your heart super trustworthy and, <laughs> which and is totally is, opposite is, what jesus is, is tells good us. yeah it's this is out of the heart. Where is it? Mark 7. For from within, out of the heart of man, 
comes evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Yeah, all good things. Sure, yeah. follow your heart. But I think that's where... Right to hell. I know, I know this is a little bit of a, a tangent here, but that's the, the basis for expressive individualism today, mm-hmm. of just do what you want to do, do what's right in your own eyes, because if it's right in your own eyes, then it must be good and good for you. Yeah. Instead of rebellion against the Holy Creator, who has called us sinners and that we need to repent. Right. I mean, it's. I, I think it's one of those... That one of those uh, secular philosophies and ideologies of finding yourself, um, and really what we mean by de- by finding ourselves is defining ourselves. You know, we're not we're not here to talk about the uh, transgender issue on this podcast, but when I've taught on that issue, I've I've always opened up with this is the crux of the matter. You read Genesis one and two, and it is very clear that the God of the universe, the creator of all, tells the creature, well, first of all, makes the creature, and then, in, you know, um, gives the creature its purpose, tells the creature who they are and why they're here. You, from God, you find your identity, you find your, 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 your destiny, all of it. And what we want to do is what Adam and Eve did, is we want to say, I'm God, and I define my identity, I define my destiny, and that has manifested itself in many different ways all throughout human history. But, but, but the reason why we do that is because of our depravity, because right. ev- everything is, is tainted. Um, so hmm. if you're hearing this and you're confused by it, that just might be, you know, need for more study or asking questions, and we'd love that. But if, if, you, if you're hearing this and this makes you angry, well, we would suggest that that's a result of what we're saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's just because we all hate this. No, no one wants to be told this. Sure. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be told this. Yeah. And, you know, again, when it comes to understanding spiritual things, and, and not, not, not like all spiritual things, okay, but like just having a biblical worldview, I'll put it that way. First Corinthians 2, 14, Paul says the natural person, so that's everybody now before they come to Christ, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or foolish to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Again, we're not saying if you have questions about this that we're putting you in that category. What we're saying is that this actually is depravity itself. Somebody who's not a believer cannot understand anything spiritual. Truly, truly cannot understand it. It's I don't know if you guys shared the gospel with people, that they go, uh-huh, thanks. Mm-hmm. And like, they heard you, but they didn't hear you at all. You yeah. know? Right. Yeah. And it, I think that's a good segue to try to get a little more applicational yeah. with, with this. We've established from Scripture how wicked and depraved we are, but what does that mean for evangelism? What does that mean for uh, your relationships with non-believing family members or people who for the most part, think that they are decent, good, mm-hmm. moral people because they've led by their own, by the world standards, normal, good lives. They haven't murdered anyone. They haven't kidnapped any children. Right. This is important even for a believer's growth. I mean, to understand who we truly are. I, I remember reading Martin Lloyd-Jones saying pretty much in every one of my sermons, I have to convince my people that they're sinners. <laughs> Yeah. And, and those are folks he's talking about that are sitting right there in his pew week after week because once they realize that they are sinful, 
they by the Spirit's power and the Father's drawing, they need a Savior. They need a Savior to save them from their sin, from the wrath of God. And that's what we preach. We preach Christ and Him crucified. There's a reason why He came. He came to die for sinners. And so, you know, I tell my kids all the time, there's a reason why you're selfish. There's a reason why you fight over your toys. There's a reason why you get angry. There's a reason why you get jealous. Because sin is real. And it's in you. And it's in every single person. And that is an affront against God. And his wrath is upon you because you've rebelled against him. You've broken his law. But there's hope. Yes. There's forgiveness because he sent his one and only son who was perfect and holy to take your sins upon himself and to pay the penalty that God said. Even in the Old Testament, without blood, there's no forgiveness. The soul that sin shall die. And in his mercy, he sends his one and only son to take our place, to take our sins and to be punished in our place. It's a beautiful gospel. And it, I, so I think it is good you know, piggybacking on that to start the application of with yourself, you know, so quickly because I'm a believer now, um, and I'm, I'm I'm not totally depraved uh, in the absolute sense of the word anymore because I have the Spirit within me, but only because I have the Spirit within me. Mm-hmm. I tend to jump to how does this doctrine apply to others versus how does it still apply to me? Well, I think first and foremost, again, it just gives you such an appreciation for what God has done for you in Christ and what the, what, what the spirit of God has done in your heart to, to cause. I mean, when, when I got saved and I was 17 years old, it was, it was on a Monday, it was on Monday. I was at this camp and I made fun of what they were doing. I promised my girlfriend back home there. Don't you worry? Cause she thought something might happen. Like I would come back and, be different. And I, said, Bible I said, no, Holy no, my dad's making me go. Don't worry about it. Not, no way. Hard Tuesday night, veil removed, heart of stone removed, heart of flesh put in totally different, totally different. Like I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. All I did was sit there and listen. And why did I listen? I'd usually didn't. It's because of the spirit mm-hmm. and he did everything. Right. And so when you reflect upon your conversion, you just say, God, wow, thank you. Thank you for doing that. But then even as a believer now, you know, we still have that wicked sin nature within us. Now we're not a slave to it anymore, right. but it still does permeate everything. Our thoughts, our motives, our words, our actions. And every day, it, what it does is it drives you more and more to Christ in sanctification, not just justification. I think that's, until you realize just how sinful you are, you will not walk closely with God. I mean, and isn't that, doesn't it sound like an oxymoron? Mm -hmm. You feel like the more sinful you think you are, the more you run away from a a holy man. The more distant you are from God. Right, or Mm -hmm. or like Peter would say, get away from me, Lord. Right. And I'm a sinful man, and yet God says, oh, the the more sinful, the more grace I want to bestow. Yeah, what does Jesus say? (laughs) Don't be afraid. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so that I think is is huge for ourselves as Christians. But what yeah. what about how about we jump into you know how we now view the unsaved around us, our kids, even if they're saved, I'd say mm-hmm. our kids and our family, our workplace, society, everything that's going on. Before you were talking about thinking about myself, and I look back to my days before I became a believer, and I can definitively see that I was dead in sin. My goodness gracious, I grew up in the church. I called myself a Christian even when somebody asked, but I never thought about God. There was no spiritual life within me. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't care. I was 
cursing as a young kid and stealing stuff from my parents. And then I go to college and I'm just a mess. Immorality and drunkenness and cheating and school and just all this kind of stuff. And I look back, I'm thinking, that's what dead people do. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the Spirit of God at all. And yet I remember one of my one of my buddy's girlfriends who found out that I had a Bible sitting on my shelf and think she, I think she heard that I went to church as a kid, you know, and after we were parting one night, she pulled me aside and she says to me, aren't you afraid of what might happen? You know, if, if, if Jesus knew what we were doing, I just looked at her. I'm like, what? No, we're Christians. Who cares? You know, and I can't even believe I said that, but I had no clue. I was so dead in my sin. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. just it just proves what the scripture teaches. And I think we have to we have to remember that when we think about culture. They're dead in sin. They have no natural tendency or inclination to move toward God or to obey God or to think about God or to repent or submit or any of those kinds of things. Right. So so this is the root of the issue. You know, that's that's like when um, I think Vody Bauckham says, kind of in response to what what what, what do we do with Oh, you know the LGBTQ movement and and the crazy culture and blah, blah, blah. and he and he said he said uh, I, I could I don't know about the exact context of this but I'll take it and apply it to this anyway. He said something to respect to or something to, to um, something like this that Jesus Christ came primarily to deal with sin before he came to deal with sins. And I think his point was the gospel is first and foremost applied to the root cause. And then over time, it permeates, permeates up the tree and heals the rest of it. Yeah. So if, if you have, if you are interacting with people in the culture, go for this issue. Like ask them, first of all, if they view themselves as a sinner, ask them the meaning of life and where they get their, like, what, what do you base your ideas in? Like challenge their perspective on truth. I think that's a big part of how we've, you know, interact with our culture now is we have to go back to the basics because the basics aren't assumed anymore. And then you have to work up from there. And then you have to ask them now, what are you going to do about your sin? What are you going to do about your relationship to your creator that's severed? You you have to get them there first. Doesn't uh, Ray Comfort do that method with the way of the master? Yeah, he kind of goes for, you know, the 10 commandments. Um, But if somebody says, I don't, I I totally reject that. I don't believe in sin. Uh, apologetically, you got you got to go backwards a little yeah. bit, and we're actually going to have on a little teaser at some point. Uh, Doctor Mark Farnham from LBC, who wrote a book, um, "Every Believer Confident," which he's he's an apologist. He has his PhD in apologetics. We're going to have him on on the podcast to talk about this. But anyway, it's yeah. it's remembering what the root of the issue is, and not just dealing with the surfacey stuff because that's what I think frustrates people mm-hmm. is they have a they have a debate or a conversation with somebody about the surfacey issues which are big and then they disagree and they get mad. And it's like, why? Like you have to remember what's behind that. Right. 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 Yeah. And I can't speak for um, my relationship with kids cause I don't have kids yet. One's on the way, but it's important to remember to deal with our non-believing friends and family members, especially too, with patience yes. and with kindness mm-hmm. and to know that how they're operating, how they're thinking and their behavior is from a fallen place it's broken and knowing that we were once there too and apart from the grace of god we would be just like them and we were just like them mm-hmm. so it's a it's a motivator to to not be boastful or arrogant 
but it's honestly a humbling thing. If it's not humbling you, then yeah, then something's wrong in your in your mindset, and uh, and and perhaps you don't have a great uh, appreciation or um, view of really what total depravity is. If it's not a humbling thing to you, right. and so it's a motivator to keep praying for those who are unsaved, because yeah. apart from God, there's nothing that we can do to make them saved except preaching the gospel to them and praying you know, and hoping that the, the spirit moves. And if I may here, this kind of goes to the broader issue, but sometimes with regards like the doctrine of election, which naturally follows this because in the, in the teaching of the doctrine of salvation, when you, when you realize that this is where man is apart from like we're dead in our sins, we will never choose God. Never. Then how do our, how are we saved? How are we justified? Because God chooses to save his elect by their faith in Christ. So how does that happen, right? And with a doctrine of election, we can get all wrapped around the axle about are we saying this or are we saying that? What, what, what I try to help people understand is the doctrine of election is not about did I choose God or did God choose me? That's the wrong question. Yes, I chose God. Yes, God chose me. The question that we answer with the doctrine of election is, why did I choose God? Why? How did I choose God? And the answer is God, that I chose him because he first chose and therefore in, a, in, in time enabled me to do so. And how does the spirit of God enable his people at a point in time to genuinely and willingly repent and believe the gospel? Well, through means, through people, through testimony, through the kindness and the patience of his people, through winsome conversation around the truths of the gospel, through the scriptures. And so all this to say is, it does matter how we interact with the world. It does matter what we say. It does matter that we preach the gospel to them and not scratch their ears and tell them what they want to hear and play this game of like, you know, okay, well, I'll compromise here if you'll come this way. No, no, no. You present them with the gospel. That is what saves. That's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians that I read from earlier, that he preached the raw gospel unashamed and that it was that, the offense of the cross, that hardened non-believers, right. but that those who were chosen, who were truly gods, he would actually soften and enable them to believe. I think it's another podcast. This is election. Don't we go through it? Yeah. Oh. We're Regeneration, gonna, new birth. We're going to have to do faith, that. Faith, all that kind yeah, of Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Eventually. <laughs> so we hope that you found this conversation encouraging and um, filled with hope, despite maybe the content of, of some of the conversation. We got to hear the bad news first before we get to the good news in some regards. So total depravity is a, is a real thing. It affects all of mankind and the curses throughout all creation. And so we can do no good thing apart from apart from Christ and, and His work in us. So ultimately, it's it's a beautiful thing in that it gives us a greater appreciation for the lengths that our Father went to save us in sending His Son. So we praise Him for that. Thank you for listening to Captivate and Conform. If you have any questions or comments about what we discussed on the show today, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at cedarcrest.church. And please leave us a five-star review and comment and refer it to a friend. It helps us get the word out. Thanks for listening.